most mysterious, unexplainable, and inexplicable events often take place in the most ordinary places. Places like the small, quiet college town of Chestnut Hills. Usually these seemingly unexplainable occurrences are eventually explained, but every so often they remain mysteriously inexplicable. Sometimes it is best to accept the unexplainable rather than search in vain for inexplicable explanations, for some things are simply unexplainable. The movie you are about to see is one of them. Welcome to yet another edition of Natsukashi, where we wax nostalgic through cinema. My name is Rob Rector, and tonight I am joined by... Jason Pliskin. Jason Pliskin, cousin to Snake. And we are going to delve into the mental closets of, of Mr. Pliskin here and review Monster in the Closet. Before the magic of Pixar has introduced us to the dangers of what lurks right behind our Oxford shirts in those uh, dark recesses of our bedrooms. There was a little studio by the name of Troma. For those who are unfamiliar with Troma, it's a little low-rent New York studio founded in 1974, and it made cheap, quickie pictures that were... uh, The titles of the pictures were, were much more interesting than the film's they actually produced. Would you agree? You've seen some of them, haven't you, Jason? Uh, yes, a couple. Uh, some names. Toxic Avenger trilogy, featuring that irrepressible, slimy mutant Toxie, who uh, has since become their mascot. Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. Class of Nukem High. Surf Nazis Must Die. First Time Turn On, Zombie Island Massacre. <laughs> My favorite, Fat Guy Goes Nutsoid. Redneck Zombies. Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town. Stuff Stephanie in the Incubator. Teenage Cat Girls and Heat, and of course the classic Academy Award-winning Killer Condom. On their uh, on their way to fame, there are a lot of. Didn't know there was that many. Oh, are you kidding me? This was just the start. This is the creme de la creme. There's much <laughs> much more. In fact, some names that you may recall got their start in slumming through the trauma empire. Marissa Tomei, Kevin Costner in Sizzle Beach, USA. Sizzle and... Beach, USA. Do you remember that one? I sort of do, like vaguely. And the the creators of South Park, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, financed their first film, Cannibal. The musical. <laughs> Panic and mass hysteria spread throughout the world today as the unstoppable closet feature continues its relentless march southward. Virtually all of Northern California, from Crescent City to San Francisco, has been evacuated. At the same time, emergency procedures are underway throughout the western half of the United States. Religious leaders and scientists alike are predicting the worst the possible end of civilization as we know it. Countless millions everywhere are fleeing from the death and destruction that lie ahead. But where do we run? Where do we hide? I'm afraid we may be witness to a biblical prophecy come true. But in 1983, they made a little film called Monster in the Closet about a hulking, slimy beast that dwells in the titular area of the home, while the film itself was really nothing more than a nursing home for a lot of actors who were probably just happy not to be playing bingo at the time. It marked the debut of a couple actors who are quite notable today, and we'll get to them later. But first... We want to go over the plot a little bit. So, Jason, take it away. Well, the plot of the film, uh, I guess if you want to call it, it had a plot. Um, it's taking place <laughs> exactly. in a small town a small town outside San Francisco, and there's a string of grisly murders that have been taking place. The small town is a little college town, and the bodies of the deceased have been found with two tooth-like prongs stuck into the chest like they've been bit by a snake. So a young-looking reporter from San Francisco 
gets the scoop. He goes to investigate the town where he runs into professor who is a young genius kid who helped take them along on the investigation uh, looking for perpetrator of these ghastly crimes right. and, and to come to find out it's a monster that comes from people's closets. And, and now that's what got me is there were they only found two bite marks in there but when you see the beast I don't know how he could just have two bite marks in there because it isn't he essentially like a leech. Yeah but it has a extra mouth. Uh, the killing the killing mouth is actually very alien esque. It reaches out and it's and it's like yeah, it's like these two sharp buck teeth that hook right into the chest. Um, gotcha. I guess it's a little bit of a, a little bit of an homage to Alien. There was a few om- homages in there. Wouldn't it? Yeah, like there's a few. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, King Kong. They made a King, King Kong reference at the end. E.T. by leaving the candy out for him. So go ahead. It's definitely not intended, but I had a feeling I was watching Harry and the Hendersons too. Well. Interestingly enough, the monster in Monster in the Closet was played by one Kevin Peter Hall, who was Harry from Harry and Hendersons, and also played Predator in both the original two good Predator films before they went on to Major Suckitude and met up with the aliens. And he was also in, do you ever remember a show called Misfits of Science? Oh, I haven't. It was made in 85 or 86. It's kind of the precursor to Heroes, and Courtney Cox was in it. And it only ran for like one season, but he was Was he that was before awesome. or after Dancing in a Dark video? I, it was right after right after <laughs> she started swinging her hips with that awful white woman overbite in Dancing in the Dark. So we'll go through the list of some of the other people who, who starred in this, uh, some of the older actors before we get on to the younger ones. Now that lady... Miss Bennett, she teaches biology or something over at the university. She come in here and said to me that them holes was probably made by some kind of a giant snake. <laughs> well, I've dealt with some kooks in my time, but that takes your cake. Uh, heaven's sakes, them two holes is over an inch wide apiece. Uh, that sound like any snake you ever seen? No. Wasn't no snake that dragged Mary Lou Caldwell 15 feet across the room. Wasn't no snake that picked up Joe Shempter's dog and hung it on the closet door. No, sir, Mr. Clark. We ain't talking about no snake here. What we've got here is a homicidal maniac. Well, my favorite is Claude Aikens. Claude Aikens. Sheriff I forgot. Lobo himself. I had forgot that he was in this movie, and the reason I like Claude Aikens because he play he started in one of my favorite Twilight Zone episodes, uh, Monsters Are Doing Maple Street. I just think it was the coolest Twilight Zone I've ever seen, and he was in it. So every movie I've seen him in, every B movie I've seen him in, I just think the movie's pretty cool. Which I didn't notice until a couple weeks ago, but I rewatched From Here to Eternity, and he was in From Here to Eternity, so he actually did play really? a quality movie. He was one of, he was one, of the, he was one of the like officers. I have no idea. Yeah, he had a quality movie under his belt. Pop quiz. Who's cooler, BJ or Sheriff Lobo? Or his best friend, Bear? BJ. He's cool. I like his haircut. BJ McKay, yeah. she'll be. Yeah, got the haircut. It's kind of like Snake Plus, kind of like haircuts. So. Okay. All right. I can understand. Got to go, 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 so, go with the comments here. Uh, some of the other actors in there. Henry Gibson, who played Dr. Pennyworth, kind of the Albert Einstein-looking fellow. He got his start in a show called Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In back in the day, but you've seen this guy in one television show or another. Beverly Hillbillies, F Troop, Bewitched, Wonder Woman, Fantasy Island, Love Boat, Dukes of Hazard, Smurfs, Simon and Simon, Quincy, Knight Rider, MacGyver, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, King of the Hill, Boston Legal. <sighs> Did you ever see the original Charlotte's Web? Yes. He was the voice of Wilbur. I'm curious, what voice in Smurfs was he? Uh, I'm guessing it wasn't Lady Smurf. That's Maybe Gargamel? Not. He might oh, have been Gargamel. Oh, that was Gargamel. That's awesome. 
Donald <laughs> Moffat. Donald Moffat, the man who who could challenge Larry uh, was it Larry Ewing? Larry Hagman. Larry he could challenge Larry Hagman to a an eyebrow contest <laughs> with his huge caterpillars that sat perched atop his brow there. He was also in John Carpenter's The Thing. He was Gary the Station Commander. And you also noticed, what else was he in? Uh, Clear and Present Danger. He played the president. That's right. He was the president in Clear and Present Danger. Another famous name in Monster in the Closet, Paul Dooley, one of my favorite character actors because he was the father. He was Claire's father in Sixteen Candles. I got you. He was wimpy in Popeye, too. Oh, was he? He stars in it with Stella Stevens, who was a former centerfold for Playboy. And while that might entice some people... She was a Playmate centerfold in 1960, and this film came out in 1987. So do the math and think about it before you watch this nude scene that she has. She's topless in here, showering. So anyway, they all get together, and this leads to some climactic battle in, of all places, an elementary school. <laughs> and it seems like they had, like, World War II-era yes, tanks they were they rolled tanks. out for this. They were- they were using they were Sherman, Sherman tanks. tanks. I actually okay. thought that was really right. cool. What the gave, hell like, of a, gave, hell a, of an army. gave a kind of a ni- uh, nice retro 1950s touch to it. Overall, it seemed like it was a kind of a, a shout out to the 1950s kind of invasion films. Now, you sat down recently and watched it with your wife and uh, made a discovery. We have no idea what this creature is, or where it came from, or how it got here. All we do know is that it moves from closet to closet, and that these closets serve some sort of purpose for this beast, possibly as places for shelter or security, for rejuvenating itself. Who knows? All we know is that our only hope of destroying this monster is to destroy its places of refuge, to destroy all closets. Go out and destroy every closet you can find, every closet in the world, whether you have to chop them down, burn them down, or blow them up. It's our last hope. I repeat, we must act immediately. Destroy all closets. When I first watched it, I only watched a fraction of it because it kind of got me scared. Scared to the point that I got paranoid paranoid every time my closet doors open in my bedroom. But watching it a second time, this, uh, it, the number one, the monster looked funny instead of scary. But there was a, a big homosexual overtone to the movie. A monster who continued came out of the closet. Hence used the an title. Appendage from a, used an appendage that was very penis-like to kill his opponent. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> and probably the most striking part is at the end, when the, uh, when the monster has the main character and his love interest cornered in the attic, and it looks like all hope's lost and everybody's prepared to be killed by this monster, the monster all, all of a sudden gets these dreamy eyes towards the the young, good-looking reporter man and picks him up, cradles him like a groom carrying a bride across the threshold and proceeds right. to carry him outside the house. And I don't know why, but they walk towards San Francisco. Uh, uh-huh. I didn't know if that was by accident or not, but I thought it was pretty damn funny. I don't think that was there was any coincidence about it. I, I mean, no. I, <laughs> Especially when you consider consider the title, consider also the characters, the lead character's name, Dick. His, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> and his rival at the at the newspaper was Johnson. <laughs> so, I pick up on those. The tagline for the movie is "It's out, it's out, it's out." So huh. take that however you wish. <laughs> As a twelve-year-old watching it, I didn't pick up on it, but watching it with my wife, it, I mean, it was it was seeping through like the the homosexual overtures to it. Now, one of the funny yes. things I thought carrying with that theme is he he goes to San Francisco and. 
tried to get into closets, but the military picked up a strategy of destroying all closets, so there was a nationwide campaign to destroy all closets. Whatever closets the monster found in the city, he couldn't fit in with the guy. They couldn't go in together. So rather than go into the closet without his true love, but with his boyfriend, his newfound boyfriend, he ends up walking through the streets and getting weak and dies, to where one of the onlookers says, Beauty killed the beast, which was the reference to King Kong right there. And I, yes. I kind of felt like the message at the end of it was homosexuals can't survive outside the closet very long. I don't know if there actually was one. I don't, I don't but, think yeah. that's the message at all. But it took on some some pretty serious issues, not just the issue of homosexuality and acceptance, but then you notice they had dinner table conversation between science versus religion. Then they did mm-hmm. science, religion, and and military, and all these three. Entities, these three bodies had ways of dealing with the unknown, you know, and I thought that was really probably bit off a lot more than it could chew. But you had all this unknown element being the monster, and then it showed how science deals with it, how religion deals with it, and how the military deals with it. And I just thought that was military didn't deal with it too well. No, no, they didn't. They didn't do, <laughs> they didn't do that great of a job with it. But, but it's funny because as as poorly shot, directed, written, acted, scored casted, catered, and distributed the film was, it's still not without Mm -hmm. its merits. I can't find my keys to the car. Can I borrow yours? Sure, they're in my red purse. Where is it? The top shelf in the closet. Thanks, hon. Okay, it had some... Actually, some of the gimmicks to it I thought was really funny. There was just these really stupid scenes where the... Uh, Dick... Um, he's walking around. He's always yeah. I gotta forget that. He's always chewing on a Nestle Crunch. And just like an, and just like in the most uh, outrageous scenes, he's just like, "What the hell is he doing with that candy bar?" It was it was kind of it was kind of nice with some like slapstick humor there. You know, it's kind of neat. Definitely. Um, and, and it's just other goofy things. What we talked about earlier is a shower scene. I mean, that could have been right out of uh, out of Airplane at the time. I thought that was oh, yeah. that was kind of kind of amusing. It was an homage to Psycho, yeah. very deliberate, but still. Quite funny. They played it, you know. They 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 played it pretty well. I thought. I'ma get geeky, get you drunk, get you love drunk. My heart, my heart, when they made this movie, I don't think they took themselves very seriously as they were making it. But just some of the death scenes that actually had scared me when I was younger were just absolutely hilarious. A hand would grab a person, or grab a person and pull them into the closet, and all you'd see was clothes flying out of the closet to indicate that there was this great life and death struggle going on in there as the monster was getting ready to slay the person. And you know, when they're making this, it's just people in there throwing clothes out of the closet. <laughs> throwing of as much course. underwear and as much... <laughs> but to watch it, absolutely <laughs> hilarious. I was like, who needs special effects? Throw some uh, Fruit of Looms out. And let's talk about one of the first victims that gets pulled into a closet. There's a little pigtailed cross-eyed girl who becomes one of the first, I guess, snacks for for the the, the creature in the closet. She that was actually the first 
role of one Stacy Fergie, Fergalicious Ferguson. Uh-huh. And it was uh, quite an inauspicious debut, to say the least. I think she she may have been the third victim. Oh yeah, I first, think it was just one of the first, first victim was a the first victim was a very well endowed sorority girl. I remember That's that. That's true. And John Carradine also was one of the early victims yeah, as well. And he was. Sightseeing dog. Yeah, that was actually one of the scenes that really troubled me when I was a kid. Cause I did not like watching animals get killed in movies. Seeing that poor dog hung there on the hook of a closet. In real life, it was okay yeah. for you, though, right? Oh, real life's fine. Watching it again, I'm like, <laughs> that's funny. A 12 year old, oh, why did the dog have to kill Professor! God, what are you doing here? It's coming! I'm almost finished! Just one more screw! What are you talking about? The inner jug manner! I could stop it with the inner jug manner! It's a toy! It won't do anything! It was also notable because it was the debut of yet another actor who is is quite well known today, Mr. Fast and or Furious, Paul Walker. The professor. Yeah, the young so brainy the kid. Name was professor. <laughs> Yeah, that was, was another thing I thought was funny about the movie was the character name Professor. They just called the little kid Professor. We never knew his name outside of that. That was it, the Professor. Oh. And he, he looked kind of like Oliver from the Brady Bunch, cousin Oliver. That he also reminded me of uh, uh, the younger Tanner from Alf. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I didn't even think about that. Kind of remind me of him too. Have the geeky glasses on. <laughs> Any closing thoughts on on Monsters Inc. or Monsters Inc. Jesus Christ, Monster in the Closet? I enjoyed watching it the second time. As corny as it was and as cheesy it was, and it was a fun hour and hour and a half. I sat in front of the TV and got to look at something I had not seen in about almost 20 years. So in a way, it was a little bit a little bit of a trip down memory lane. You know, it brought back memories. It had a little more nostalgia to it. It built into it than actual what I remember of the movie, just the scenery and what I usually did on Saturdays to watch the movie, stuff like that. Well, <laughs> my name is Rob Rector and uh, Jason Plitzkin. <laughs> I had to think about that one, did you, Jason? I had to think All about right, that. Well, my, it's, uh, I mean, I'm senile, too. <laughs> join us again for yet another edition of Natsukashi where we will wax nostalgic. About movies. Please come back and see us again. Jason, thank you. Take care.